Hey, before we get into the word, uh, I received an email yesterday from Ryan Holloway, who is the director of CareNet Peninsula. CareNet uh, is the uh, is the pro-life uh, uh, clinic. Uh, they operate the pro-life clinic down on Jefferson, and uh, we've partnered with them through our giving through uh, for the last few years. Um, things have shifted, as you know, the landscape uh, in uh, in Richmond in our capital has shifted. And I received an email. I didn't know anything about this. But there are two bills that are going to be voted on on Tuesday um, that could radically change the way things uh, are done in regards to abortion in the state of Virginia. And so I want you to see what those things are. Ryan sent me this email. And, uh, and so I want you to see a, a little bit what that looks like. So if these two bills pass, and because the Senate and the House are both Democrat now, uh, these things could pass quietly and be, and be signed in like without any, uh, any issue at all. Um, and so this is what those two bills would entail. Eliminate the requirements for women to get an ultrasound prior to having an abortion. Now, our, our very own Dr. Elizabeth Lunsford is the medical, uh, uh, she's the medical oversight for CareNet Peninsula. And, uh, and she will tell you that uh, it's the fact that ladies have an abortion, that, or excuse me, that they have an ultrasound, that they can see the child inside and see what's going on is the number one preventative for why they would think differently about they go in with their mindset to have an abortion they have the ultrasound they see that this child is alive they see that everything is healthy and then they change their minds uh, so what this law would do uh, if, it, if, the, if this bill passes it would eliminate the requirements for the, for the ultrasound to happen and so then that information is not given to them and so then they might move a different direction information that abortionists selling abortions do not women to have, uh, allow for almost any medical professional, not just physicians, to perform abortions. Think about that for a minute. What, what's the, what's, what level of quality of care, what level of, uh, of expertise is now, it just got lowered because, uh, because that is going to go off the books. And then uh, remove the 24-hour waiting period between seeing an ultrasound and having an abortion and then eliminate all health and safety regulations and oversight for abortion facilities. What could go wrong with that picture? Uh, Health-wise, just for women, I mean, if you care about the health of a, of a woman, wouldn't you want those standards to be high? And uh, so uh, this is really just to back, to, to make an industry, uh, uh, you know, this, this, this only favors the abortion industry. It does nothing for the people. It does nothing, obviously nothing for the babies. It does nothing for the women. And, uh, and so somebody's got their hand out wanting to make some dollars on the abortion industry. And so, uh, so this, is, this is where, in Lighthouse, you got to understand, you know, as Christians, as believers, uh, we, the, the gospel uh, increases encourages us, commands us to submit ourselves to the governing authorities, except when you have times when the, when the, the governing authorities go opposed to the word of God. When they go opposed to the word of God, that's when we as Christians have to say, we obey God rather than man. It's in times like this. Fortunately, our government gives us the opportunity to speak up. 
And uh, if we were living in China, if we were living in another, uh, another place where protest, uh, even like the, the Second Amendment protest the other Monday, uh, it, you know, those things wouldn't happen in some governments. And, uh, and, and that kind of thing would just be shut down immediately. Well, we're, we're, that's, not, that's not who we are. That's not where we are. We live in America. So we still do have our First Amendment rights. And, uh, and so I, I want to challenge you. Here's, here's what you can do to help. This is what Ryan sent to me, uh, you know, Monday morning. You know, you can email them anytime. Uh, these are the, the inf- this is the information regarding the bills. And uh, we're not telling you what to say or how to say it, but we're just telling you, put your, put your heart and soul into this thing and let's, and let's let the, uh, the capital know what, what we want done and uh, what's righteous and what's unrighteous and let your voice be heard, okay? So I, I'm thankful for Ryan. If he hadn't let me know about it, I would, I would have been oblivious to it. This is kind of how these things go. If you're not a person that's a watchdog, that's that's going on the website, paying attention to what bills are going through. This stuff is would just go through silently. The people wouldn't even know what was going on, except there are people that are paying attention to what's coming down the pipe. And so then they say, "Oh, we got to do something about this. If we don't, this thing's going to pass." And and then you know the the the, the shape and the face of the the pro life movement in Virginia is going to change radically, even as, you know, you, you saw the March for Life, and you saw everything going the other way in our nation, and yet because of, of the, the setup currently of our government, uh, you know, we're, we're, we in the nation uh, are as liberal in the, at the government level as California right now. You know, and so you you and I need to understand what, you know our our role as believers. Okay, so uh, enough. Uh, it, again, I don't see this as politics. I see this as let's save some babies. Let's look after women uh, when they're vulnerable. Let's let's care for them in this season, and that that's what we are called to do as believers. And so, um, so we we do have a political recourse in this. And so, thank you for being a part of that. Um, so. In the Word today, um, I'm going back to a text that I, I preached uh, last April. Um, it, I'm, I'm going to preach it a little bit differently, but um, we're going to be in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 13, in just a moment, just three verses. Um, it, there was an underscore. You know, one of the things that I've, I've found that the Lord does in my life, I won't say this is, this is how it works for everybody, but I, I prepare a message and, uh, it, you know, we, we kind of get our direction uh, a number of months early. I try to pray into where we're headed, you know. And then, then I, I begin to develop the message as I get closer to uh, the season and the sermon to be preached. And so yesterday, uh, I, I, you know, we had, uh, we had put this uh, I put the notes together for this on Thursday, and uh, last night I was over in Williamsburg. It was a nice day. I rode the motorcycle over and, and was having some dinner, and uh, as I sat there, there was this uh, elderly couple. They, they seated me. I was all by myself, and they seated me at this uh, table, and uh, the table adjacent to us, there was an elderly couple there, and her walker uh, was in between, and the, the fellow saw me, and he said, oh, do you have anybody coming? Uh, I, can move, I can move the walker. I said, no, it's just me. I said, I'll watch over over it. He said, well, as long as you don't use it. And I said, I like this guy's sense of humor. And so we started chatting back and forth. And turns out he, he is 93 years old. 
and his wife is 89. And, uh, but I'm telling you, he didn't look a day over 80. You know, he, was, uh, he, he just really was active, I could tell. And, and we started talking and, and found out that he was from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I said, that's so crazy. I got family in Michigan. I know about the UP. And we started talking uh, a little bit further. And then he began to tell me about, uh, you know, he asked me about my shirt. I had a Lighthouse shirt on. I said, well, I'm the pastor at Lighthouse. And, and uh, he asked me questions, you know, very direct questions about the, how, how's the church doing? What's happening? I said, well, you know, God's blessing and we're growing. And uh, I think uh, two, three Sundays ago, we, we almost broke uh, 500 attendance on a Sunday morning. And, uh, and so we're just shy of that. Probably uh, in another month or so, that'll be our regular. Uh, we just, it's, we're trending, you know, there's a trend there. And, and he, he just looked down and he said, you know, he said, I've been a part of the same church for 50 years. And he said, uh, he said, when I joined, we were 100. He said, today we are 20. And he said, most of the people there are in their 80s. And we can never get a pastor uh, except one that's retired. And he said, so they come in and he said, they just don't grow the church. And now, uh, if, uh, if I were to tell you, when I, when I did a survey of the churches in Gloucester County uh, about, about uh, 22 years ago now when I became senior pastor, and I would talk to pastors informally, and, uh, and we would talk about what's our age demographic. At that time, the demographic of the lighthouse was about our, our median age was 38. Most of them didn't have, uh, didn't have people on, on their uh, boards younger than 70. So, the, so the, the, the governing boards in the churches were about 70 years old. And now, can I tell you, I'm not, I'm not going to talk despairingly about any age because 70 is looking really good to me. I mean, it's really looking closer than it used to, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I, don't, I don't diss anybody. But, but for the health of the church, you have to have all age groups represented. You can't have one age group or another age group. We need everyone. We need one another, right? And, uh, and so I, I think, was it uh, Tommy the other day, I think I saw the, the meme when, that you had when an, when an elderly person dies, it's like a, it's like a whole library burning down. I mean, isn't that the case? You know, people that have been gone on before us that have seen stuff that we've never seen, experienced things we'll never experience, we need their input. We need them to be able to speak into our lives and, and, uh, and help us to understand, you know, stuff that they've gone through, right? Uh, without the internet, hallelujah. How did that ever, how did you exist? And uh, so I was having this conversation and, and it, you know, kind of experiencing this all over again. And I'm, I'm, I promise you I'm going somewhere with this. But there are, there's, a, there's a contrast that has to take place between churches, churches that grow and churches that do not grow. And if you look at all the major denominations, and you can leave, the, I'm not leaving any of them out. All the major denominations have, in the world today have been plateaued or declining for the past 10 years plateaued or declining, all major denominations, with the exception of the Pentecostal charismatic churches who, who in the United States haven't grown huge, but they've been 3%, I think the assemblies have got between 3 and 5% uh, growth every year over, over the past 10 years. But in the nations, the Pentecostal charismatic churches are exploding with growth, exploding with growth. What God is doing in the nations is amazing. 
And, and so when, when we understand that, then we can start to back our way into, okay, so what does it take for a church to stay healthy in the United States? What does it take to, to be that church that grows? What's happening? And you can look at the structures, and you can look at their style, and you can look at their behaviors. You can look all of that kind of thing. I think I'm going to take a, a little bit of a, a shot at what causes a church to continue to grow and, and the kind of things that it has to prioritize. And I think we can find a pattern for it in the New Testament. I'm going I'm to compare two different churches. The first church is Jerusalem. The second church is Antioch. We find them in the, the book of Acts. And uh, in your notes, there's a table. In our, I don't know if I... Yeah, okay, we got the table in here. Cool. Um, so uh, so what, I, what I want you to see from both of these is that both of these were, uh, were churches that God used and God ordained and God, uh, God began to move in them. But there was only one Jerusalem there only has ever been one Jerusalem, but I want to say to you, Antioch was a pattern that has continued in the churches that continue to grow today. I want to say there are thousands of Antiochs. Now, there's one that we're going to study here, but what happened was people picked it up as a, not just a description, but a prescription. Some places in the Bible are, de uh, are descriptive. This is how it happened. Some places in the Bible are prescriptive. This is what you should do. Are you following me? And so it, there, are, there are churches that look, that look in the Bible and they say, well, that's descriptive. That's what happened in the book of Acts, but it won't happen that way to, today. And then there are those churches that look in the book of Acts and say, well, that's what happened in the Bible. And if we do what the Bible says, then we'll have the same thing happen today. It's prescriptive. It's not just descriptive, it's not just history, it's this is the way God wants it done. And so when I look at the book of uh, Acts and I look at Antioch, I say, oh, this is how God wants it done. Okay, so back, back up with me, we'll look at this. So their structure in Jerusalem was the 12 apostles and it was centralized, uh, centralized form of government. From the standpoint of uh, when, when one apostle went away, Judas, what did they do to replace him? They cast lots, and they cast lots based on this, this firm idea that uh, it had to be somebody who witnessed Jesus' resurrection. we got to replace Judas, but it's got to be somebody that's witnessed Jesus' re resurrection and wandered around with us for those three years. And, and so, uh, so that, that was the pool that they were going to select from. And so they got a few names together, and they cast lots, and Matthias uh, was chosen, and so he replaced Judas as the 12. Now, why did, they, why did they have 12 apostles in the first place? They had 12 apostles in the first place because Israel had 12 tribes. And so this number 12 was something that Jesus was, was capitalized on, on the fact that this is the revelation of God for, for the, the 12. And so we're going to take the 12, uh, the 12 apostle concept, we're going to take that from the 12 tribes of Israel. And so, uh, so the theology was a law and grace mixture. In this brand new church, they were understanding how to, how to uh, operate. What's the difference between the Old Testament Torah and the law and grace, and how does that look? Their missions emphasis was limited. It took a little bit of shaking to get the salt out of the salt shaker in uh, Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts 2, but they didn't budge until Acts 8, until persecution broke out. And when persecution broke out, then they said, oh, 
oh, it's not safe to stay here anymore. We better get out of Dodge. And so that's, that's what they did. And, and so they had a limited missions emphasis. And the leadership was nominated from uh, within based on experience. Now, look at Antioch. Antioch is this mixture between uh, Jews and Gentiles. When we read the text in a minute, you'll see the, there's a mixture of ethnicity there. There's also this understanding that uh, you know, that their model isn't going to look like the previous model uh, because they're not all Jews, and so they wouldn't have all hailed from the 12 tribes, and so the 12, the number 12 doesn't really matter to them. Uh, their structure is gift-oriented, and it's decentralized because Luke is a, is a historian, and he tracks this thing out. He puts the exact words in there that he wants us to understand, and so we'll see that in just a minute. Their theology is a spirit and grace mixture, and uh, their missions emphasis is unlimited, and they have an, uh, a spirit-elected, church-affirmed kind of a model. So you ready? Let's read the text. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, the, this doesn't list all of the, the members, but it does list that there were these who were prophets and teachers. There was a recognition that God was doing something, and these are, uh, these are gifts that are found in Romans uh, chapter 12, right? Uh, that Paul talks about the gifts that are given to the body for the, the building up of the, the church. And it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. There was no, there was no okay, we are one apostle down and now we've got we've to vote somebody in to replace them. That, that, that wasn't in their understanding. And this church was coming along decades after the church in Jerusalem. It's funny, isn't it, that you and I can read 28 chapters in the book of Acts. It'd probably take you maybe an hour, I don't know, depending on how fast you read. But you could read through uh, 100 years of church history in, a, in about uh, 45 minutes. You could just read all the way through and it kind of looks flat to you. It's all, but years are taking place in, in the amount of time that uh, you read the book of Acts. And so uh, notice with me that, uh, that they prioritized worship. They prioritized worship of the king, that they kept their first love. Can I tell you when churches decline, it's because they lose their first love. They lose sight of their first love. They, they lose sight of why they got together in the first place. The same thing that will cause a marriage to decline will cause a church to decline. We forget the why. We forget the who. We forget what caused us to want to have this spark, this magnetic attraction to one another in the first place. And so when the, when the church loses sight of why we come together, let me tell you, when, when, the, when the battle comes over uh, who's in charge, rather than pointing the way to King Jesus, rather than celebrating King Jesus, we've already lost. When the church, let me, let me just tell you, and this has happened uh, in the, not, not that long ago right here in our community. When, when, the, when the prayer meeting declines, but the business meeting attendance to oust the pastor is the biggest attended meeting all year long, then you've already lost. 
You've already lost. It's already over. It's already done. When pe- You can't get people to pray, but you can get them to show up and, and say all the things they don't like about the leadership. When, when they come together uh, to do something that is, you know, that say, well, I can finally let my voice be heard. Let me just say it like I, like I feel it. That's when a disease has crept into the church. And it's not long. That church is going to be gone. Or if it trips along, it won't do the mission of Christ anymore. It will just exist for people with like-minded opinions, right? And, and so uh, here's what happens. The church prioritized worship of Jesus. The church, prior, not a worship style. We don't really know what their style was. But, but what it did say was God called it worship. God called it worship. It wasn't what they decided. It was what God called worship. And so they said, you know, we, we believe that the reason we come together is to see Jesus, to come together and prioritize who he is. Just like Holly said a little bit ago, I think somebody ought to marry that woman. Oh, I'm glad I did. So that we might see Jesus, worship of Jesus. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, Mark Geppert uh, coined this phrase. He said, all success in the spirit realm flows from an atmosphere of praise and worship. An atmosphere of praise and worship. One of the things that I do here as pastor is just, is just pay attention to the atmosphere. What kind of things are happening here? I'm the chief culture officer. I'm here to make sure that we don't let a bunch of gossip set in, let a bunch of slander set in, let a bunch of, and okay, come on, let's prioritize, let's focus. Why are we here? Why are we here? The why. Why heaven? Because Jesus. Why gather on Sunday morning? Because Jesus. I love y'all, but if you weren't here, I would still show up and say, can I get three people to worship Jesus with me today? We're just going to do that. That's why, because he's priority. And when you prioritize worship, let me tell you what happens. The immune system of the body of Christ is strengthened. And suddenly the gossip is like, ah, that's not worth the time. I want to worship Jesus. When I lose my peace because I haven't been living like I need to, what do I have to do? I go back into worship and then Jesus begins to tell me, go make it right with that person. Go make it right with that person. Go get it right. Go, you, you, can't, you can't live like uh, any old way you please. When you come and you prioritize worship, there's a cleansing that takes place, right? Second part of that is fasting. They worship the Lord and fasted. They worship the Lord. They prioritize fasting in their midst. Now, ever since, uh, ever since the Lord dealt with my life 22 years ago, and I went on a 40-day fast because God had dealt with my life. I was touched by the revival in Brownsville. I came back and I said, God, I don't want this to be a youth camp experience. I wasn't senior pastor. I was associate pastor at the time. And God led my brother-in-law, Mark, and I to go on a 40-day fast. And after we went on that 40-day fast, so many people were asking about it. We said, well, hey, we'll teach you about it. You know, come on. And so we had about 90 people show up in the kids' building that wanted to learn about fasting. And so a number of them then did a 40-day fast. Probably a dozen or so did the full 40. A bunch of them did 21 days. A bunch of people fasted maybe three or seven days during that period of time. But it was after that fast that my predecessor was found out to have been having an inappropriate relationship with my secretary. It was after the fast. 
And you know what? Her family was restored to this house. Her kids are in ministry today. Her marriage was saved. You know, God did a work through that fast to set his house in order. Let me tell you, fasting and prayer works. Fasting and prayer. God is not calling us to invent some new way to do church. He's just saying, trust and obey for there's no other way. You know, we just, we just do what he says and it works out. It's amazing how that is, you know? And so he doesn't want us to go out and discover some new cool way, some hip way of doing church. No, he's saying, if you will, if you will fast and pray, if my people who, who are called by my name will humble themselves. You know, I can show you a, a biblical teaching that fasting is one of the tools in the toolbox of a Christian's life in order to humble themselves. When we humble ourselves, then God begins to move. And so they fasted. This church understood fasting. And that's why fasting's been a part of this church for the past 22 years, that we have done a longer fast, either in January, in September, because it was foundational to what, what positioned me in the spot that I'm in. And I said, you know, I don't want to lose sight of that. I've got to go back to it. I've got to go back to what God's called me to do. And, and so part of that is, uh, is going on a fast. So in 30 days... We are going to be going on a 40-day fast. And so if you want more information about it, uh, the, the tribe writers got together and we wrote a, a, ma a manual on fasting. I can point to people around this room that, that, that at some point over the last 22 years, God did something sovereignly in your life. He got you out of debt. He broke, you, he broke some addictions. He repositioned you in a job. He rejuvenated your marriage. I could go down the list. I've got the stories of people sitting next to you in this room that, that prioritized fasting during some season of their life. And, uh, and God did a work. It works. So we make a habit of worship here in this house. We make a habit of fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer, two wings of the same bird. If prayer is not working for you, kick in some fasting. I'm not saying you have to do some long thing, but if you fast for a day, you fast for two days or three days, you will watch things begin to shift around. It's predictable. Why? I, I love what Derek Prince said in one of the teachings for the, the Jesus fast the other Thursday night. Uh, we watched a little clip from Derek Prince from years back. But he said this. He said, I can guarantee your exaltation. I can guarantee it. You have to humble yourself. And, and I thought about uh, conversations that I've had a couple of years ago when we had uh, uh, Frank Potter come in, and we were about at our third week of our fast, and I said, if you show up on this day, that service will be lit. <laughs> I'll listen to these younger people. I know lit is probably like two years old now. It's done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, you haven't fed me the new download, brother. You got to give me the new download. And uh, so... So, you know, yeah, that, that, that service is going to be, before that it was off the chain. Uh, before, that service is going to be off the chain. You know, uh, you know uh, back during the Brownsville days, they would say, say it this way, God wrecked us, man. He just smashed us. I was like, that doesn't sound good, but I get it. I get it, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I can predict 
the energy level in the church. And, and I, don't, I don't have to know who's leading worship. It doesn't matter. People that are hungry will get fed. People that are hungry will press into God. And God can't stay away when people are hungry for him. And so this, is a, this has been a priority here in this, in this house. And what happens in the midst of that? What happens is we're set apart. Notice in the, in the text, as we were worshiping the Lord and fasting, Luke says, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said, we want to listen to what he is doing. This is the way the church in this day and age, this is why there are thousands of Antiochs around the world, is because we prioritize worship, fasting, and then listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. A few weeks ago in this room, uh, it was uh, right after the movement conference, and I had four people come up to me and say, Pastor Ken, the Holy Spirit saying, Pastor Ken, the Holy Spirit said to me, Pastor Ken, I had this vision. Pastor Ken, we need to do this. And, uh, and you know, and I welcome that. Now, I do feel like I'm Grand Central Station, and, and a three-ring circus is about to ensue. But my job is to, is to say, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to your body. Help me to maneuver the next few minutes so that it's not chaos, but deliver decently and in order because God wants to speak to you and he wants to speak to us. And so this is how he does this. And so in the midst of this fast, this, this worship and fast, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for the work that I have called them to. Set apart for the work. Set apart for the work. Set apart for the work. Can I tell you, we've got to prioritize the work of ministry. That we don't lift people up so that they can have a title so that all men everywhere should bow down. We prioritize the work. The bottom line, the bottom line in kingdom advancement is souls saved. The bottom line. If people are getting saved, that's the activity of the Holy Spirit. Now, the problem is in the church, we do a lot of activity that's not related to anybody getting saved anywhere. The bottom line in kingdom ministry is souls saved. How much energy, how much money, how much time do we put into effort and, and prioritize things that don't have any kingdom bottom line? Hello? Souls saved. I, I, my, uh, one of my mentors, Randy Valamont, went to be with the Lord. The Lord gave him this sermon series, and I haven't listened to it yet, but I've seen the illustration. Oftentimes, this is what will happen for me. I'll, hear a, I'll hear, hear a sermon title or hear a metaphor, and I'll just let the Lord... I don't want to copy what somebody else got, so I'll just take that thought. But he had this thought, and uh, in, in, at his funeral his memorial service, they had a big boat up here. And I saw just a segment of it that they broadcast in his funeral. It was about, it was about uh, the church as a lifeboat. And you think about that, how that, you know, we are on this massive cruise ship called humanity in the 21st century, and it's going down. I mean, you know, it is going, the culture is going down. It's not going to stay afloat. It is going down. This is the very thing that Peter said in the book of Acts. He said, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. 
And that call is still today. And so Randy Valamont says, why do we ask people to give? Why do we ask people to pray? Why do we ask people to go? So that we can build bigger lifeboats. Does it matter to you that your family is not in the lifeboat and that the culture is going down? Does it matter to you that the people on your streets are not in the lifeboat and the ship is sinking? It's taking on water. Do you get the picture with me this morning? All, all advancement in the kingdom of God comes down to soul saved. We've got to prioritize that. We've got to say, you know what? Let, can, I, can I create a direct line between what Jesus is speaking to me on Sunday morning and soul saved? Can I, can I bring that connection? That's why this year, see Jesus, speak Jesus. See, I'm a witness of what God did on Sunday. That, uh, you know, I, see, I experience it myself. Tomorrow morning, I can share it with somebody. I can share what Jesus did. I can talk about the activity of God. The Holy Spirit speaking in the midst of his people is what God desires to do. Don't get uncomfortable with it. Get more comfortable with it. Get uncomfortable when you don't hear a word from the Lord on Sunday morning. I'm not just talking about the preacher. I'm talking about get uncomfortable if the Holy Spirit doesn't stir up the house and, and we didn't witness God do something in our midst that everybody goes, what happened on Sunday? What did God do? I don't want them talking about me. I want them saying, man, did you see Jesus delivered somebody on Sunday morning? Man, somebody got healed. Oh, look what God did. You know that same week? That same week I talked about the, that there were the four prophetic words. There was a, uh, Bruce Barton had a, a, a word of knowledge in prayer that morning about 5 a.m. And he came to me and spoke to me. He said, somebody here has a, a, a crushed arch on their right foot. And they've been in pain. You need to share that. So okay. So we get into the service, and I share that. And a, a sister sitting on the, probably in the third or fourth row, she came forward and answered that also. Two years ago, she had an injury, crushed her right arch, has been in daily pain ever since. And when he laid hands on her, she was completely healed. Now, I don't know if you think that's worth stopping a service for, but she certainly did. She was certainly appreciative, you know, and, and so we, we want people to understand that, that Jesus is king, and Jesus was king before Kanye found out. <laughs> Jesus is king. We, we want people to know that. We want people to know Jesus has all authority. That's why we worship. That's why we fast. That's why we come together in the house of God, because we want to celebrate King Jesus. But he's not just here to meet us. He's here to send us out. We are set apart to be sent out. We're here to do, to find out what our assignment is. Jesus, what are you sending me forth to do? And that's exactly what happened. You know, they were first called Christians at Antioch. First things happened in, in an Antioch. That's where first thing. oh, we've never done it that way before. First things happened at Antioch. In Acts chapter 14, the disciples, uh, 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 Saul and Barnabas, were first called apostles in Acts 14. Well, the definition of an apostle is a sent one. So here comes the sending in Acts 13, set apart for me, Saul and Barnabas, for the work that I've called them to do. And then you see the word sent comes up twice. And, and so uh, they laid hands on them and they sent them off. And then the next verse says, and they were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. 
You see, everything that God wants to do, there's always a two-part harmony. There's the man part and the God part. Now, some people come up with a good idea, and they got the man part. But they, they don't have the authority that the Lord brings when he sends. Romans chapter 10 says, how shall they preach unless they are sent? Some people just come up with an idea and say, well, I'm just, I think I'm going to go do this ministry. Can I tell you, if God didn't authorize it, that is wood, hay, and stubble. It's just going to burn up. And it's not going to have power to multiply. It's not going to have authority in the, in the earth the way God wants it to have. It, you know, get before God, prioritize worship and, and fasting, and then see what he says to you. And then whatever he says to you, then do that. Because he has authorized it. He said, he said you can go, there's an old preacher saying that it says, some were sent and some just went. Can I tell you what I understand about the spiritual warfare in the world? You cannot afford to just went. You better be sent. You better be sent. Why? Because you need his covering. You need his authority. You need his equipment. You need what it is that he can do in your life to prepare you, to set you up to win, so that when you go out, you stand up there and you say, thus saith the Lord, and he will back it. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith, but he doesn't have to finish anything he didn't author. And so you better know in whom you have believed before you decide, oh, yeah, God's called me to don't say that lightly. Don't say that loosely. But if he has sent you, don't be a Jonah and run the other way. Let him clothe you with his power and prepare you for the thing that he's called you to do. You know, uh, we're, we're, we're set apart and we're sent out. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Jesus is going to raise up people from this house. And there will be people around the marriage supper of the Lamb. There will be unreached people groups at the marriage supper of the Lamb because of Lighthouse. Because first things happen at Lighthouse. It's where first prayers are prayed. It's where first, uh, first callings are received. It's where first songs are sung. It's where first sermons are preached. There will be nations around the marriage supper of the Lamb because our people heard the voice of God at this Antioch. And they said, we will go. And the Holy Spirit spoke, and they were sent out from this house. Can I tell you, Josh and Carrie Woolley, Josh grew up in Kids Church here, and there are going to be there are going to be churches planted in the nation of Ecuador, uh, up the Amazon River, unreached people groups. There are going to be whole churches of people that are going to be around the marriage supper of the Lamb because Josh and Carrie Woolley, and we sent them out. There, there are going to be people in Southeast Asia that are in uh, that are uh, that are in, in heaven because of this house. There are going to be people in uh, from Africa and from Jamaica and Peru. They're going to be why? Because of people in this house. There are going to be people in Israel that are going to come to Christ because of the ministry. Praise God of people from uh, that that got encouraged, that got ministered to, that got built up, that got sent out from this house. This is the way God sees it, friends. He's, you, don't, you don't stand on the sidelines and clap along and say, yeah, good job, go do it. Jesus says, while you're praying for the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers, why don't you go ahead and work? Why don't you go ahead and 
and, and pay somebody's way forward? Why don't you go ahead and send somebody out? Why don't you prioritize some of your money and say, this is for the unreached. I'm going to send money to the unreached. We got a stat this past week. Those of you that have been around here for very long, you've heard the name Mark Geppert. You've heard us do an attack lamb seminar. We do them about every other year or so. And uh, Mark, uh, the last one uh, that we did, Mark Geppert, who wrote the book Attack Lambs, who has been walking and praying for the last 40 years in the nations, who has, by the way, SEAPC has the only NGO that the Chinese government has come alongside and said, we will make an international agreement with you if you will come into our nation and you will uh, set up autism care in every province of China. Do you know how massive that is? One in every six people on the planet are Chinese. There are over one billion Chinese in the world, most of them living in China. And so the Chinese government, Mark says, as long as we can bring Jesus, we'll go anywhere. They said, bring Jesus. And that attack lamb seminar, you want, you want breakthrough on your street? You start prayer walking. And we can teach you how. The Attack Lamb Seminar. Uh, there's a, a forward that's been done recently, an update from the, uh, the 20th, uh, it's the 20th anniversary of the Attack Lambs book coming out. And uh, Dick Eastman with Every Home for Christ, uh, who uh, Every Home has been in existence since 1949. And they, they track all the stats of all the literature that gets requested by somebody that gets born again. And, uh, and they literally have a ministry that has teams going house to house to house to house to house. And they see 53,000 people a day come to Jesus, 53,000 a day. And they're very good record keepers. And they said, we can track 53 people groups, distinct people groups that have come to, to the saving knowledge of Jesus because of the attack lambs approach to prayer, to walking in prayer. And we can track 53 people groups in North India and Southern Tibet because of the attack lambs method of prayer walking. That's amazing. The things that God, greater things than these shall you do because I go to my Father. Greater things. Greater things. I want to inspire you today. I want to inspire you beyond your nice house and your nice cars and your nice clothes. I want you to ask yourself, is that really all I'm here to do? Is that really all I'm here to do is to put food on the table? You, you focused on something that's way too small if you think in terms of, of earthly things, if you think in terms of what you can do. Because let me tell you, this whole thing is going to burn up. Our culture is going down. Don't expect it to get any better. What you need to expect is that, is that the, the Spirit of God is going to be hovering over the earth. And there are going to be people that say, when they, when they see it going down, they're going to say, I need help. And you're standing right there ready to pull them into the lifeboat. You pull them in with the message that God has given you. He's put down on the inside of you. But don't live for the things of this world. Don't live for what you can do this week. And, and forget about eternity that's rolled out in front of you. God's got bigger things in store for for you. Don't waste your story on the nine to five. Turn that thing around and use that nine to five. Return, you know, uh, uh, redeem the time. Amen. Redeem the time for the days are evil. God's got a call on your life. Don't, don't sell yourself short of that. Some of you are wandering around trying to find purpose. I'm telling you, engage in the kingdom. You'll have more purpose than you know what to do with. 
engage in the kingdom, follow that calling, spend your time in worship, spend your time in fasting, seek him and he will begin to give you a download about your life. And then when you start to say, I feel like it's the Lord, then the church is around you and they say, we know you, we recognize your gifts, that's exactly what God's called. And then this, and then this, and you'll find out the more. You'll find out you got a little bit, but the body of Christ saw a lot more than you did. Why? Because we, we have the vantage point of the Holy Spirit helping us, right? Can we stand this morning? I don't know what God's going to do here in the next couple of minutes, but I just feel like there's a calling, there's a stirring going around. And if you're, if you're done with business as usual, if you're done with the status quo, if you're done with just putting in time, come on down to this altar. Let's seek the Lord. Let's worship the Lord this morning and say, God, I don't know what it is, but I know there's something stirring around. Come on, y'all in the balcony. Come on down. We're going to get before the Lord this morning. Let's ask God to talk to us about what our calling is, what he's setting us up part to do. Uh, you know, we, we need to ask the Lord for a fresh word in our hearts this morning. Lord, stir us up, God. Lord, we've been, we've been stuck in the mud, in the muck, in the mire of this world, and you've called us to be set apart. Lord, you want to put a new song in our mouth and put our feet upon a rock. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that we would hear a fresh calling from you, Jesus, that we would hear the Holy Spirit down on the inside of our hearts, ministering something that we've never heard before. Lord, you've created us for more than just average. You've created us for more than just boring. You've created us for more, Lord God, than just to waste our lives coming up with a, uh, coming up with a retirement plan. God, I pray in the name of Jesus this morning, Lord God, that you would draw us out, that you would stir our hearts today, oh God. Come on, church, begin to pray. Come on, call on the Lord right now. There's more. There's more. There's got to be more than what we've been living for. There's got to be more than just getting by, than just, uh, just cruising our way through on cruise control. God wants us to lift our eyes today. He wants to unstop our ears today. God wants to raise up workers in this house today. Hallelujah. Come on, church, press in. This is for you. This is for you. Holy Spirit is here to minister to you. Holy Spirit has, uh, has God's blueprint for you. He wants to give you a download today. He doesn't want you to spend your time trying to stress and figure it out and be anxious. Your Father knows who you are. Your Father knows what He's created you to be. Your Father, before you were ever born, your entire life already mapped out by your Father. God delights to speak to his children. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land will heal their land. A healing in the land happens when we turn. The first step is right here. They worship the Lord and fasted. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, forgive us for taking our eye off the prize. Forgive us this morning, Lord, for allowing our vision to be fogged up.
because we focused on things that have no eternal significance. We looked at things other than the throne of grace. Forgive us, Lord, as a church. Forgive us for being religious when we should have been righteous. Forgive us for prioritizing the, the, the things of man when we should have been prioritizing the things of God. Shift our understanding today, Lord. Show us the blueprint for this house. We want to be the church that you see, that we can be. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, I pray that you would speak. Even as there were prophets and teachers in the church at Antioch, they had an ear to the Spirit, and they had a heart to minister a structured word to that church so that it would be built up. In the midst of those people, you began to speak. God, I pray that you'd speak to us this morning. Lord, I know we have a piece of it, but we don't have all of it. We're following as best we know, but Lord, you want to open up more want to open up more. You want to raise up that school of supernatural leadership here in this house. You want to raise up the child care, Lord, so that we can touch families. You want to raise up Legacy Springs so that we can minister uh, to, to uh, uh, those needing assisted living, memory care. God, you, you want to do those things so that we can minister into the needs of this community. But there's more. There's more, God. There's more. There are people who will die and go to hell this week because we didn't prioritize what it is you've called us to do. There are nations that need what we have to offer. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, God, I pray that you'd speak right now. Say this with me, Holy Spirit, speak to me. A love word, a joy word, a peace word. Speak to me about my life. Show me my ministry that you've called me to do. Show me the field of endeavor that I am supposed to take for you. Jesus, I want to be able to report to you on the day I see you face to face. And I want to be able to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I ask you, Lord, show me my field so that I can get to work. In Jesus' name. Come on, welcome the Holy Spirit this morning. Come on, he's speaking right now. Thank you, Lord. It's going to release vision and dream right now. It's going to release a scripture. In moments like this, the Holy Spirit can map out your next five years, ten years. He might map out your destination. You don't know. But just be sensitive to what He wants to do right now. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are set apart for His good pleasure. Louder. 
This is the altar. Let's be those living sacrifices. Placing ourselves, humbling ourselves before the Lord. Let the fire of God fall on us. Fire of God fall on us. That word was also a, a, a proverb that has to do with uh, has to do with gossip and slander. If you don't if you don't feel that thing, the fire goes out. So I see two things in that word. I see that that there's a separation that needs to happen. That we've been piling wood on on fires that God just wants to go out. But at the same time, He wants us to present our bodies as living sacrifices. Let His fire burn in us. There's a proverb that says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, and he lights all the innermost parts of the belly. Moses had an encounter with God. It was a burning bush, and what was it, it wasn't unique that bushes burn, but it was unique that this bush didn't burn up. Can I tell you, some of you have been trying to work in the flesh, the thing that God wants to do in the spirit. And just like a candle stays lit, but the wick never burns up, because it's got the fuel of the wax all around it. The Spirit of God wants to light the candle of your life. He wants His consuming fire to burn on the inside of you, but you'll never burn out if you have the Spirit of God, if you have the fire of God on the inside of you. You'll never burn out. But if you've been weary, you've been fatigued, you've been been worn down, don't try to do in the flesh what only God can do by His Spirit. Make that switch today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Some of you today, the Holy Spirit just keeps dropping a name of a country in front of you. I want you to pray about that. One of our missionaries, his father, 40 years ago, was walking across a field in in southern Missouri, and he heard the Holy Spirit say, I'm sending you Spanish-speaking black people in Africa. This is before the internet. He didn't even know if there were Spanish-speaking black people in Africa. So he went to uh, his elders, and they said, we don't know. We'll have to go check the library. So they go check the library, and they find out there's a little nation called Equatorial Guinea, and it's got Spanish-speaking black people. They said, well, it had to be God, because you wouldn't have come up with that yourself. You didn't know it existed. And so they sent Carol Deal to Equatorial Guinea. And today there are hundreds of churches and a number of Bible colleges because one man, one man prioritized worship and fasting. And he listened and the Holy Spirit spoke. And he was sent out. And today, his son, who grew up on that field, in Equatorial Guinea has been invited back he's a missionary to Senegal now but that little uh, that little country the church the, the church that was raised up under his dad's leadership said we want to send you to Senegal because you're one of us he was raised on the field and they said you're one of us we want to send you to Senegal he's a missionary from Equatorial Guinea Brett Deal Lord, I pray that we would have that uncommon faith to listen to your voice. Lord, that is our, that's been our pedigree since Holland Smith heard the voice of the Lord come through the top of the car. Start my work in Gloucester here. 
and that work later became Lighthouse. Lord, it's our, it's our pedigree, it's our, it's our birthright, it's our DNA that we hear your voice and that we follow it out. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. Lord, that they would hear your voice and they would follow it out. They are set apart to be sent out. I just believe the Holy Spirit, over the next five minutes, if the Holy Spirit's been speaking something to you about your direction or future, I want you to, now, this is a laboratory of the Holy Spirit, right? This is an experiment. We've never done this before. But that's what makes it exciting. That's what makes it a little scary. But can I tell you that if you don't step out, if you don't affirm it, Say, I believe this is what, as best as I understand right now, I believe this is what God is saying to me. Then what's going to happen is you're going to walk out of here and the devil's going to talk you out of it. And nothing will ever happen with it. Nothing will happen. And the harvest and the response and all the other things, you'll just talk yourself right out of. But if somebody feels like the Holy Spirit's calling them, and I don't care if it's Holy Spirit's calling me to go across the street to my neighbor. Cool, come on. It doesn't have to be the grandiose thing that, I, that I'm, I'm talking about. But if it is, all the more. Step out. Come on. Just line up and run across the stage real quick. Please, God's speaking to you. Come on. Come on. I can always trust on Marianne to be the first one. Come on. What's the Holy Spirit saying? Real quick. They will know you. I can do it without the mic. Real loud. Real loud. Got those mic. They will know you by your love. There you go. So love each other. Love each other. Good work. Good work. Somebody else. What's the Holy Spirit saying? Come on, sister. I love this lady. She's been in the nations, and she's a powerhouse. <laughs> uh, I was just praying, and I've been, I've been seeking the Lord about possibly doing foster care. And every time the thought comes to my mind, I push it aside. And um, when, when, when you told us to repeat that prayer. Yeah. I saw a field of harvest wow. and children just standing up. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to do foster all right, care. Praise, all right. God. Praise God. Praise God. All right, brother. As most of you know, I'm a retired police officer. I spent three decades on the road. And I've just been called into the ministry and started a ministry called Not On My Watch to minister to first responders because suicide for yeah. first responders yeah. is out of control. I've yeah. just been called to the ministry. Yeah. Praise God. So, yeah. Praise God. How many of you affirm that? How many of you that bears witness in your soul right now? Either because you know Chris and you know and you know April and you know Brittany. They, we've, we've seen them. We've watched their lives, right? And how many of you know God's going to bless something that he's doing, that, he, that God has got an anointing on him? Let's pray over that right now. Father, all the details, Lord, that need to come together for Chris. God, we pray for much favor. 
We pray, Lord God, for much anointing and much authority. Lord, men and women will open up to Chris because he knows their story. He lived their story. That's been his experience. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for a mantle of ministry and blessing on him that many lives will be spared. Many souls will uh, will be saved because of his ministry. God, anoint him. Let him know, Lord God, that there are many more with him than there are against him. And Lord God, that we stand with him to see this good work accomplished in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, sister. Praise God. What's the Lord saying to you? That I need to go to those who have wronged me and I need to forgive them in the name of the Lord. There you go. And I need to show them his compassion yes. and his love for them yes. because I don't want them to perish. That's I right. don't want them to go to hell. That's right. That's right. I want them to know that there is forgiveness yeah. and that God is willing and they just need to they Good. just need to open their heart. That's right. That is a confirmation of a word I heard just before the service from a sister earlier. She said people are walking around with shackles on their feet because of bad teaching and because they're offended because of, the, the, because of offense and unforgiveness. And so that that's, uh, Father, we just pray. Lord, I know this isn't just for her. This is for many in this room. So, Lord, I pray that we would, uh, we would walk that out, that we would be obedient to that word, Lord, to offer forgiveness and to receive forgiveness and to get on the other side of offense in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I can confirm you've heard from the Lord. Somebody else. This morning. Come on, sister. Don't stand over there in the shadows. Come on over here. All right, you're doing a good job. Praise God. What's the Lord saying? Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Good. Um, I have more. All right. Can I hold the mic for Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Go promise ahead. I'll give it back. All right. <laughs> uh, do you mind if I pray? No. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Before you go out and fight a fight, yeah. you need to be prepared. Yeah, that's right. Pray for two hours before yeah, you go yeah. out soul winning for wow. two minutes. Wow, wow. Please. Yeah, yeah, be prepared. <laughs> Paul, I know, you know, Jesus, I know, but who are you? I mean, who are you? The enemy's going to be like, huh? Well, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> because we are strong in the Lord. Yeah, yeah. We are wise. Yeah. We are obedient. That's right. We are brave, we are strong, we are confident, we are full of his spirit. We are carriers of his anointing. Amen. There is a lost and a dying world yeah. right here. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody else before we close this morning? Who's that? Oh, okay, come on. I just feel a pull to um, help somebody right now. All right. Um, I'm really getting the name Carol, um, or someone you might know, Carol. Okay. But um, 
I'm, what do you, what I'm is CNA she? certified LPN going for my RN. I just okay. feel the need of something kind of medical RN? at home, just okay. maybe something that they're, that's heavy. Praise God. That, um, but if you, you right. or someone you know, good. let good. me know, please, see, if see I Crystal. can help. There you go. <laughs> Praise you. God. Good job. Good job. Come on, let's just lift up our hands, right? Oh, you got one? Okay. You're all the way back there in the sound booth. Took you a minute, didn't it? Get up here. Oh, um, okay. So I'm not quite sure. I heard that I was going to go to a very dense jungle in Ecuador and just walk and pray. Okay. And I've heard this before. Okay. And I wrote it down and I was like, I really have no idea all right. what that would do. But All right. Get your passport. Get your passport. We're going. Um, Hold it up there, honey. There you go. Uh, knew what I wanted to do with my life. I always wanted to be an interior designer and everything, but the second I got to the altar, I had one word that just really stuck out with me, Africa, and I don't know why. And okay. I, it was just, I never really thought about it before, okay. and okay. And I was like, okay. Um, I heard God spoke distinctly to me. Okay. You're going to be a doctor. And wow. Spread the word. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. 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 How's that feel to share it? Does that feel like a burden lifted a little bit? And let's pray over Lauren. Lord, we Lord, we just thank you for uh Lauren, we thank you, Lord, for the, the word that she spoke today, Lord God. And Father, I just pray that you would confirm it. Lord, I, I know there have been times when I uh, when I heard you and I needed the, the help of those that would be obedient to come alongside. Lord, you have a way of confirming it. Uh, and, and Lord, I know that she can do anything she puts her hand to, God. Uh, you have raised her up, Lord God, but I, she doesn't want to do just anything. She wants to do what you want her to do. And I pray that she would have such confidence, Lord, to know what it is that you've called her to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. God bless you. All right, close, whatever it is, close us out. And so I, I just got a really strong in, impression. If you guys look around and you see the different flags, first of all, they're beautiful. Yeah. And they're a representation of the nations. But I believe it's more than that. I believe it's a portion of God's heart crying out from each of those nations. So I believe that he is stirring us up. And he wants to stir up the pot. He wants to stir up each one of us, okay? So that means shake loose the stuff from the bottom and get freed up because God may want to answer that call. God may want you to answer the call. There's a specific call, a specific heart, a specific part that each one of us plays, amen? So let's just pray right now. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for the service. I thank you that you can have your way. I thank you, Lord, that, that you are supreme. You are the one that we bend our knee to. You are the one that we confess. You are Lord of all. And we thank you, Lord, that you are Lord of the nations, that you created this whole world, Lord, and you love every person, Lord, equally. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for stirring up the pot. Lord, stir us up, Lord. We ask you to stir us up, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Stir us up, Lord. Help us to hear. Unstop our ears, Lord, that we can hear the call of God, Lord, in our lives. Stir us up, oh God, yes, that God. we would be able to hear the heartbeat of God. Yes, Lord. Lord, give us your compassion, Lord. Give us your words. Give us your vision, yes, Lord, God. for those around us, Lord. Yes, God. Lord, I pray that the calling of the nations, Lord, would come forth on this That's house, right. Lord. Jesus and we name. affirm it, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, and we say yay and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen.